want you to go with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2. And we're still talking about the spirit of generosity. I'm trying to turn it loose. Uh, and we're going to turn it loose. But I, 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 gotta, I got to embed this in your spirit because what God is wanting to do and what he's already doing through this ministry here requires each and every one of us to have our minds focused on what God wants to do in and through us. And this spirit of generosity, what we said, it entails much more than just financial uh, uh, generosity. It, it entails us being willing to give of our all, our giftings, our talents, our bodies, to give of them all so that the Lord Jesus Christ can utilize us to advance his kingdom principles. So Paul's letter to his young son in the ministry by the name of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, and we'll read at verse number 1 and and, and verse number 2. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me? I hope you are because I just got started. Amen. I don't want to lose you before I get started. The text says this. Let's read together. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Next verse says this. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Now, the last, if if you've been tracking with us very carefully, the last thing that we said that we should be uh, generous it with or being a good steward over is the gospel truth, God's truth. God has entrusted us with the gospel message to carry that message to a dying world. He's entrusted us to be faithful in taking the truth of the gospel and presenting the, those truths to men and women who do not know him as their Lord and Savior. Can I get a witness? So, so we had, that's an awesome responsibility that God allowed us to partner with him in to carry his message to a world that so desperately needs him. Now, we talked about some things as it relates to that, carrying that gospel truth and becoming disciple makers. Because in order to become a disciple maker, I must first of all become a disciple myself. I must be willing to submit my will to God's will and allow him to to direct my footsteps in life. I should allow him to to let his word in him, which is the same, be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. Now we said some things that that are critical uh, to our understanding of our discipling process and the carrying of this gospel truth because every last one of us in here who named the name of Christ have been called upon and have been entrusted with God's truth. The question becomes today as we sit here in this year, in the latter part of year 2020, where has this year gone? Time has sped on. Uh, when they sing, you sing that song, time is filled with swift transition. I didn't quite understand it when I was younger, but I still, I definitely understand it now that I'm 59 years of age. Time is filled with swift transition. There are things that are happening at a rapid pace, even a more rapid pace, and we have to, as a church, get ourselves together. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, get yourself together. Now, as a part of getting ourselves together, we have to realize that we've been entrusted to give our spiritual gifts to the church so we can help build the church. 
Every last one of you sitting in here have gifting that God needs to use to help build the body. Each one of us in here have been endowed with spiritual gifts and we've been, we've been entrusted with those gifts so that we can use them to help build the body. Now, as, as it relates to God's truth, we said some things that we got to make sure that we understand as we become disciples. Number one, discipleship without reproduction is not biblical discipleship. Everybody say discipleship without reproduction is not biblical discipleship. What do you mean by that, my pastor? Well, the things that you are learning, the things that you are being taught, you have a responsibility to take that and deposit that into somebody else. Is that what the apostle Paul told Timothy? He says, he says the things you learn of me, commit those things to trustworthy or faithful men so that they may be able to teach others also. So discipleship without reproduction is not biblical discipleship. From the time that you have been saved, can you think of one person that you've led to the Lord? From the time that you've been saved, can you think of one person that you've led to the Lord? As a matter of fact, it should, it, some of us have been saved for a number of years, and we should have someone who we poured into, and they've received that message of faith, and now they are walking in that today. That's what reproduction is. You've been discipled, and now you're pouring into somebody else. So discipleship without reproduction is not biblical discipleship. The second thing we said was what? You will what? You will reproduce what was introduced to you. And that's what Paul told him. The things that I've told, told you, I want you to commit those to others. So the things that you're learning about, about finances, the things that you're learning about marriage, when you go to a marriage retreat, don't come back and do good for three weeks and then go back to your old ways. You should take what you learn and then begin to influence others who you are in relationship with. Whatever the area is, when you learn something, gospel truth, we have a responsibility to, to try to reproduce that, uh, uh, introduce that to somebody else so they can begin to take hold of that, okay? The third thing we said was, we said we must abide in the power of Christ, right? Abide in the power of Christ. And we said, number four, we said, accept the principles of Christ. Accept the principles of Christ. That means that God, Christ has some things that he wants to do in our lives. And there are some principles that he, he wants us to govern our lives by. But we must be willing, we must be willing to accept those principles of Christ. Look, go, go to Deuteronomy 4 and 1 with me right quick. Deuteronomy 4 and 1, we look at 5 and 1. And God talked to his children Israel about what it means uh, to, to honor him as he prepares to equip them to go into the land of promise. Deuteronomy chapter number four, and we'll look at verse number one. Deuteronomy chapter number four, verse number one. Are y'all there with me? It's on the screen. Let's read together. Let's go, y'all. And now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live. So you may enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Here's God talking to his people uh, about as you prepare to go into the land of promise, remember the things, listen carefully. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of y'all listen carefully when you come to church? Wait a minute, wait a minute. How many of y'all listen carefully? I need some, uh, by way of show here, how many of y'all listen carefully? 
How many of y'all sit beside a talker and that talker keeps talking and you can't listen to me carefully? If you sit beside a talker, you may want to tell the talker, talk, okay, wait till after church and then you can talk, but don't talk to me while my pastor's talking because I can't listen to people one time. How many of y'all have tried to listen to the TV and your spouse at the same time? How many know you're going to miss something? Right? So, so he says here, listen, listen. It says, listen carefully. Carefully tells you how you should listen. Some listen haphazardly. Some listen unattentively. In other words, you hear my voice, but you're not capturing what I'm saying because you're not dialed in. All right? As your pastor, I need you to be dialed in, okay? I need you to listen carefully because when you listen carefully, he says here, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live, so you may enter and occupy the land of the Lord, the God of your ancestors is giving you. Deuteronomy 5 and 1. Let's see it again. Deuteronomy 5 and 1. Glory to God. Are y'all still with me today? Listen to me carefully. Moses called all the people of Israel together and said, listen how? Carefully, Israel, hear the decrees and regulations I'm giving you today so you may learn them and do what? Obey them. Now, I'm purposely emphasizing that because there are so many times, guys, when we're in conversations with people or we're at a seminar at work or we're sitting here on Sunday morning and we're not really listening carefully. Okay? We're not listening carefully. If you leave here and can't even tell me the subject, I'm going to, I'm going to surmise that you were not listening carefully. And especially the way I preach, if you don't know what series that we're in, you're not listening carefully. Constant review is the student's glue. And so I, I purposely reiterate things because I know some are not listening carefully. You hear me, but you really don't hear me. And when you listen carefully, uh, the, the, the writer, the prophet, God said here uh, that, that, that you obey, obey the regulations I'm giving you, obey the decrees that I'm giving you. So when I listen carefully, that means that I'm not only listening, but I'm doing what the, the, the Hebrew word hearken means to hear and to do. And so as your pastor, I want you to hear and do. Everybody say hear it and do it. So, so we sat there. About uh, accept the principles of Christ. The next thing we said, re- reproduce the priority of Christ. Everybody say, reproduce the priority of Christ. Say it again. Say, reproduce the priority of Christ. Now, I, I left you on last week with these last three things on your outlines. There are four qualities we should aim to reproduce. Okay? Four qualities. We should aim to reproduce. The first one says what? We should aim to reproduce what? Believers who are under the what? The rule of Christ. Go to Matthew 28, verse number 19. Matthew 28, verse number 19. Reproduce believers who are under the rule of Christ. If you have your notes with you, I want you to underline rule. I want you to highlight it, the rule of Christ. Because after pastoring for 33 years, I've discovered that that there are people who are members of this church. There are people who I believe have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they're not really to, to they're not really willing to operate under the rule of Christ. So they let me back up. They've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, 
but they don't really want him to be their Lord. Now, think about your own life. Don't think about anybody else because it's too easy when we come to church to say, mm-hmm, that's for her. Mm-hmm, that's for him. Mm-hmm, did you hear that uh, husband? Mm-hmm, did you hear that wife? Did you hear that child? Stop listening to the sermon to try to pick out what it, what it does to somebody else, and I'll need you to look at yourself. Amen? Everybody say, self. He's talking to you. Talking to me. Talking to me. Okay, all right. All right. Y'all with me? All right, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, for good measure. Teach, here it is again, teach these new disciples to do what? To obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the, work, of the age. Teach these new disciples to obey all the... All, 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 all the commands I have given you and be sure this I'm with you always even to the end of the age. So our responsibility, guys, is to be disciple and be disciple makers. I told you uh, on last week that when Jesus uh, uh, prayed in John the 17th chapter, he told his father that I've completed the work you sent me to do. This is prior to being crucified. Part of his responsibility was to pour into those, those, those disciples who would take this message, amen, throughout the world. Now, we got to realize some things, okay? Believers, we say believers, we, we, we're looking to pro- produce believers who are under the rule of Christ. We aren't just communicating truth from God's word. We are supposed to be holding people accountable to live it out. Now, watch this. Here's where I, I sense we have a problem in today's church. Holding people accountable for living out the word that's being taught. Here's the reality. Here, can, can y'all look at me and, and, and hear, hear the heart of your pastor? Here's the reality. That there are many, many professed believers who say they love Jesus, but they don't want to be held accountable. Here's how you can tell. When I say something that maybe hits an area where you're not lining up, you get mad at me for saying the area and preaching about the area that you're not lining up in. And you sit there, one, I, you sit there as if I made this stuff up. And I've oftentimes said, really, the, the problem is you're mad at God, but you're too scared to, to come at him that way, so you'd rather come at me. But I'm okay with that, because that's why I'm here. Listen, we have... We're living in an age and a generation where people don't like accountability. We don't like it uh, uh, in school. We don't want accountability. A parent will get mad and want to go up there and bless the teacher out. And in reality, it's their child who's not doing what they're supposed to do. And now we want to blame the teacher. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have some bad teachers, but, but by and large, I think most of the ones who, who go into education for the right reason are teaching to try to help your child learn, not to flunk them. How many of y'all ever felt like the teacher was trying to flunk you? Anybody had that mindset? I'm going to use my word again. That's asinine to think that someone who's paid to teach you wants to flunk you because if you learn the stuff and you get grasp it, 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 you can be prepared to go to the next level. But if you're not learning it, it's going to show up on the test. Right? I mean, in all of us in our minds, I would say they wanted to make that so hard so nobody could pass. A good teacher wants to make sure you learn the material, 
but they want to make sure you learn it. It's not, it's not designed to trip you up. Now, when I come and share with you the gospel truths, I'm not doing this to try to, to, to get on your nerves. I'm doing it because I know and I realize that if we are doers of the word and not hearers only, we won't find ourselves in a state of self-deception. All right? And God can use us to help advance his kingdom principles when, we'll be, when we're, we are willing, willingly doing his word. But, but I've discovered that people don't like accountability. And so when you, when, 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 when you don't want to be held accountable, you'll, you'll stop coming to church when I say something or if I try to hold you accountable. As I've said, uh, if, if you submit to a local church congregation and you said the Holy Spirit told you to be there, then part of your responsibility as a believer and a member of that church is to, is to obey those who are over you. Pop up Hebrews 13. I still have to go to this every time because y'all, some of y'all are not listening carefully. I remember when uh, uh, the young lady, I, I told you, Brother Al's daughter, Nikki, who's a valedictorian of a class, uh, uh, not this past year, in 2021, I believe it was. Um, and one day we were at a Thanksgiving gathering and uh, she was saying something to Sandra, uh, the group of, uh, uh, of them, they were young at the time, and she was maybe sixth grade, seventh grade, and Sandra wasn't grasping what she was saying or they were, they were giving her a hard time like you do when you get together, family gets together. And all of a sudden, Nikki got, got a little perturbed with her. She said, Sergeant, what did you get your degree in not listening? <laughs> and I'm afraid that some Christians have their degree in not listening. Listen carefully. Now, now, now watch this, watch this. Can, can y'all go with me right quick? Go with me to uh, uh, Romans, the fifth chapter, okay? Uh, Romans, the fifth chapter, verse number one. Romans chapter five, verse number one. So, so we need to be about producing these qualities, believers who are under the rule of Christ. Rulership means that I'm holding myself accountable. So when you come to this church and you're a part of this church body, um, and then uh, Romans 5, and I'm going back to Hebrews 13. I know what I told you to go to, okay? Romans 5 says this, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Now, we got peace with God we got peace with God because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. So that means that we're not at odds with God. So God loves us. He wants to have us in his, in his presence. He wants us part of his family. But we got peace with him. But because we have peace with him does not mean that we can live life the way we want to live it. Go to Hebrews 13 with him right quick. Hebrews 13. And we'll look down and start reading at verse number. Let's start at verse number 13. I think that's where I want to go. Hebrews 13. Verse number 13. Are y'all still tracking with me? Are you still here? All right, let's, let's look at number 13. It says, so let us go after him outside the camp and bear the disgrace he bore. Talking about our Savior Jesus Christ. For this world is not our permanent home. How many of y'all know that's true? Listen, none of us came here to stay. If the rapture tarries, all of us will leave this place. But I believe that we are the generation that will see the coming of the Lord. I believe that, that many of us won't taste physical death, but we'll be caught up. Everybody say, I want to be caught up. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Look at the verse. It says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. Next verse. 
And don't forget, here we go, talk about spirit of generosity. And don't forget, everybody say, say, don't forget. Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. Spirit of generosity. We are created in God's image and likeness. God is a giver. God is a generous God. So we who are born of him should be generous. We should be givers. It says, these are the sacrifices that, that please God. Don't forget to do good and to do what? Share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Next verse. Here we go. Obey your what? And what? All right, now watch this. If you are a member of this church, then by de facto, I'm in the role of the pastor. So that means I'm your spiritual leader. And if you don't consider me your spiritual leader, it'd be best to go to a place where you can submit to someone who you consider your spiritual leader, right? Is that fair enough? Did I make this up? Watch what it says. Can we read that loud on purpose? I need y'all to listen carefully. Listen carefully. What does it say? Obey. All right, now stop. How many of y'all are members of this church? Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. See, that's something simple right there. Raise your hand. Okay, you remember this church. All right. How many of y'all did not sign up for your discipleship training? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass you. All right. Now, if you did not sign up for your spiritual discipleship training, then that means that you are not willing to be held accountable. I knew to get quiet here, but it's okay. I love you enough to tell the truth. Because you couldn't go to your job. Listen to this. You couldn't go to your job and not go to a training that was required and still maintain your job. Right? If it's required training... You'll be up in there. You may be mad. May not want to be there, but you want your check, don't you? You want that direct deposit to go in every other Friday or every Friday, however many times it goes. So in other words, you, you're willing to be held accountable in certain places, but in other places you're not. And what I've discovered is, is that when it comes to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, many professed believers don't want accountability. And we'll get mad when you try to hold them accountable. So what, what, what am I saying? Well, if you're in that position, if you, if, you, if you consistently don't follow the leadership of your church that you're a part of, then really you're in disobedience. You're outside the will of God. Amen? What does it say? Can we read it out loud and on purpose? Y'all don't want to read with me now, do you? You're getting quiet on me now, huh? Let's read it. It says what? Let's, let's keep reading. Their work. Hot, stop, stop. Guess what, guys? The reason why I preach this so hard is I am accountable to God for what I teach you. And I told you before, I do not want to get before the Beamer judgment seat of Christ and have God tell me, you didn't teach what I told you. And you didn't attempt to hold them accountable. So, so, so what I, what, don't, don't get mad at me right now. If you didn't sign up, what you do is just, just come on and sign up and join, and join our discipleship training. Because if you're going to be a member of this church and grow and we're studying together, we, we're building our team, I need you to be on the team. 
I don't need you just to be a Sunday morning Christian. Let me come this out of it. I don't need you just to be, God does not need you just to be a Sunday morning Christian. I love you. I thank you that you're coming. But I need us, all of us to go deeper. Everybody say go deeper. And going deeper means that I, I need to have systematic study. I need to have time to learn the basics of my foundation, the basics of my Christianity, so that I'm not confused when somebody comes with some stuff that may sound good, but it's not biblically correct. It's not doctrinally sound. And you don't know that it's not doctrinally sound because you won't be discipled. You don't want to be held accountable. They're working to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Watch this. Look at what it says. Read with me. It says what? Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That will certainly not be for your benefit. Now listen, I tell you all the time. Man, listen, I love pastoring this church. I think by and large, this is, this is one of the best churches on this side of heaven. That's my opinion. I'm biased. But I, I think y'all, I think this body is a, is a great group of people. I love you. And, 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 and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna push you up uh, when we're doing well. But if we're not doing so well... Uh, I'm going to tell you what we're not doing so well. Right? Did y'all just get mad at me because I'm in my pastoral mode today? Did y'all just get a little warm with me because I'm challenging you to do something different? Ever say, preach on preaching. Thank you, sweetheart. I appreciate that. Now, Now, listen, some of you know yourself. You know you've been this way for a long time. I mean, 15, I'm not talking about two years, I'm not 15, 20 years. You've done church the way you've done it, and you have no intention of changing. And what I'm telling you is, is that God can't really use you at the capacity he wants to use you because you won't change. You're not willing to do something different. But there are many of you all are who says, Pastor, you know what? I, I, I may have been half-stepping, but you know what? It, it's too serious out there now. I got to get my, my, my walk with the Lord right. I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be usable by God. And I thank God for every last one of you who have the heart of a believer who says, Lord, teach me. I want to know more about you. Amen? All right, all right, all right. So, so, so keep me moving. So believers who are under the rule of Christ. So uh, if, if you will, let's, 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 go, let's jump to, go to Colossians, the third chapter with me right quick. We said believers who are under the rule of Christ. That's what I'm after. Believers who are up under the rule of Christ. How do you know someone's under the rule of Christ? You know it by... Their actions. You know it when they line their actions up with God's word. God's word is the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our pathway. Okay? We experience peace by living according to his principles, engaging in prayer and practicing his presence. Let me say it again. We experience his peace. That peace over in Romans, the fifth chapter we read about, we experience that when we we, 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 we live according to his principle. Now, I don't know about anybody else in this place, but one of the, one of the times where I, I am all discombobulated when I'm not at peace with myself uh, or with life is when I find myself outside the will of God. When, when I'm not doing what God told me to do or when I'm leaving undone the things God told me to do. When I'm in that position and when I'm in that state, guys, I'm telling you what, I don't have peace. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're really born again, believe me, you can't just keep wallowing in sin forever in a day and be at peace. Now, you may fall into sin. How many of y'all, since you've been saved, have, have failed sometime? 
I'm going to ask that question one more time. How many of you since you've been born again have fallen or maybe said something that you should have said, gossipy? Didn't give when God told you to give? Uh, didn't go and reach that person or didn't go and do what God told you to do to bless that person? Didn't, there's, all of us, if we're honest about it, have had those periods of time where we've fallen short of the glory of God. Right? All of us have had those times and, and what God is saying when we fall, don't wallow in it, get up. Get yourself back up. Amen. Go with me to Colossians the third chapter, verse number 15, with me right quick. Okay? Colossians chapter 3, verse number 15. And Paul continues here talking about it. Paul. Watch what Paul says here. Y'all there? Let's go. And let the peace that comes from Christ do what? Rule in your heart. So again, I'm back on that word. We said we want, we want to produce believers who allow God to Christ to rule in their life. That means they're under the lordship of Christ. That means I'm willing to submit my will to his will. And guys, there are times in our life where our will is at odds with Christ's will. Right? There are times when we want to do, we want to go left and God said, no, I need you to go right. There are times we want to sit and God said, I need you to go. There are times we want to go and God said, I need you to sit. Right? So when you're under his rulership, that means you're willing to say, you know what? I may not feel this thing. I may not know all what the end is going to be, but God, I see what you told me to do and I'm going to be obedient even though my feelings are going in a different direction because I realize that I am your child and I'm submitting to your rulership. All right? Watch this. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Next verse says this. Let's read. Let the message about Christ in all this richness, fear your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with what? Thankful hearts. Um, I, I, I like, uh, go, go, Brother Jay, if you popped it up in the KJV, let's, let's, let's rerun that in the KJV. I love the way it reads here, okay? Watch this, watch this. It says, and let the peace of God rule where? In your heart, to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Next verse, watch this. Let the word of Christ do what? Dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with peace with singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. When Paul mentions the word of Christ, he envisions the words Jesus spoke in the scriptures. He was the word who became flesh dwelling among us, right? He was, uh, in John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? To dwell, listen to me carefully, to dwell means to live in or to reside in. Listen to what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How many of y'all have a home? You have a house or an apartment or a place to stay? Anybody homeless? Okay, all, all of us in here have a place that we live and where we stay. We know what it means to dwell our dwelling. That means to live in or to reside in. This, it, this, this command here carries the idea of making something your home. Let the word of Christ do what? Dwell in you 
richly, dwell how? Richly in all wisdom. Now, when we think about this, Paul expects believers to allow the word of God to take up residence in their lives. It should permeate every facet of our existence as a born again believer. It should control every thought and govern every action. What should the word when we let the word of Christ dwell in, in us richly? Now watch this. Can we be honest in here today? Can we be honest? Can, I, I didn't hear y'all. Can we be honest in today? Are there times where you have faults that are in direct contradiction to God's word that's supposed to be dwelling in us? Right? Have you ever had to try to to reconcile a broken relationship that happened because of some disagreement or some misunderstanding? And, and you know that God told you to reconcile the relationship, but you in your stubbornness said, mm-mm, can't do it. Mm-mm, made me too mad. Mm-mm, I've seen this move before and I know how it ends. Mm-mm, I did it three times before pastor and I'm not going to do it again. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm going to tell you, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the word teach you how to respond. Amen? It may have been a relationship. It may have been, it may have been any number of things that God was, was exhorting you to do, but you're in your flesh, and all of us got some flesh, right? How many of y'all have been fleshy this year? You know what it means to be fleshy? To, to let your flesh dictate and determine what you say and what you do. Right? Your flesh will always be with you. But you can bring it under subjection to your spirit. All right? When we think about this, guys, listen. The word should permeate every facet of a believer's uh, existence. It should control every thought and govern each action. That's why the Bible says this. Bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. We have a responsibility to bring the thoughts into captivity. What does that mean? If I'm going to let the word of God, Christ dwell in me, if I'm going to let his word rule in my spirit, in my life, that means that when a thought comes and nobody in here is, is, is beyond having evil thoughts. Nobody in here is beyond having fleshy thoughts. Right? All of us are subject to our flesh and we got to learn how to bring it under subjection to the spirit. So what I always say is this, when the thought comes, here it comes, whatever that thought is, all right, he's preaching too long, I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave. That thought came. And then now, your spirit man, because you've, been, you've heard the word earlier, let the word... I, I, he's teaching me something that I need to know and I need to listen how carefully. So you got to tell that thought, the word of God told me to listen carefully. So thought, get out of the way. Bring it, listen carefully. L- leave, leave, listen carefully. Leave, leave, listen carefully. Leave, leave, li- listen. Get out the way. I use the word to bring the thought under subjection. Come on. To the spirit of God. And guys, we fight those battles all along. That's just one area. Some of y'all have other things. You, you, you don't like something about this. You don't, I'm going to leave 
I'm going to leave my spouse because she may be mad. I'm going to leave my husband because he may be mad. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the job because somebody said something I didn't like. What, don't you need that place of employment right now? All right? I told somebody before, and, and, and I, I keep saying this, some of y'all scare me a little bit. I don't know. I mean, the Bible tells us that God created work for man, uh, dressing the garden, to keep, but work has always been a part of God's plan. I don't know how you survive if you don't work. Hello? I don't know how you prosper if you won't work. I'm, I'm not talking about if you retired. Some you give me your time, you retire. But there are some people who, who keep wondering why they're facing economic turmoil, but they won't, they won't work. And I'm, let me, can I say this uh, on purpose and out loud? Trying to get disabilities okay if you need it, but that's not the way to prosperity. Can I talk to... This church, God wants to bless you and whether you start your own business, whether you, whether you uh, get employed by somebody, if you're going to be able to have seed to sow, you got to do something to produce the seed. And the way the seed is produced is by working. Whether you start your own business or work for somebody else, you got to do something to create that economic flow that will allow you to be able to sow into the lives of others. God wants to use you to bless others, but you can't bless others if you don't have anything yourself. Amen? So my encouragement to each one of us, if we're going to operate the spirit of generosity, we have to realize that God wants to bless our hands, but we can't sit on our hands. We got to begin to do things to increase. God doesn't care. Listen, hear me carefully. God wants to prosper you. So that you can be a blessing to others, but be willing to follow his command and his lead. Amen? All right, so let's get back right quick. Come on. Back, everybody say, come on back in, Pastor. Now watch this. So believers who are under the rule of Christ, we want, we want to produce, uh, we want four qualities that we should aim to reproduce is believers who are under the rule of Christ. To dwell means to live in or to reside in. Paul said this uh, uh, virtually the same thing. Go to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse number 18 with him right quick. Ephesians 5, verse number 18. Let the word of Christ dwell, dwell. If somebody dwells, that means they stay. How, how many of you have had somebody come to your house and stay longer than you want them to stay? Get about in the house. It's like they were just dwelling there. Well, in that same mindset, God, God says, I want my word to just dwell in your heart. I want my word to dwell. I want it to be so, uh, it, it takes up home. It has, it, it, the word is, 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 is abiding there so long that it has its own bed. It has its own bed that, that it sleeps in every day. That word has to dwell in us because we need the word to transform our thinking. And God changes our behavior by changing the way we think. And we're not going to change our thinking until we get new information. Right? And you're not going to think spiritually unless you have spiritual words being imparted into your life. You'll, you'll, you'll default to your, your fleshy nature if you don't intentionally place the word of God inside your heart. And your head down to your heart. Watch this. It says, what, do not, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be what? Filled 
with the Holy Spirit. The KJV says, be not drunk with wine, which is in is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and God's word are one and the same. Y'all know that, right? So as a result, if we're going to be true, if we're going to be uh, producers of, uh, 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 and people who walk under the rule of Christ, we've got a lot of the word of God to dwell in us. Now, Paul, Paul asked us uh, to, to, to let this transpire in our hearts and through singing of psalms and, and over in Colossians and spiritual psalms and hymns and, and, and making melodies in our hearts to the Lord. We're encouraging each other with scripture, with songs and, and hymns so we can build each other up. What is on your mind eventually comes out of your mouth. What is on your mind eventually comes out of your mouth. Why am I saying that? Because if the word of God is on your mind and your heart, it will come out of your mouth. If you away from this church never talk about the things of God, never discuss the things of God, that means the, word, the things of God are not really embedded in your heart. Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speak. So if I don't have any word inside of me, then away from this place, away from this sanctuary, I don't ever say anything about the things of God. Now I want you to think about your own house. What do you discuss at your house? What do you allow to rule your conversations? Because believers who are under the rule of Christ, that's what we should be trying to produce. Not just church members. Number two, we should be trying to produce believers who repeat the word of God. Believers, number one, who are under the rule of Christ. In other words, the word of God is dwelling in their heart. The word of God has a place, a home there. And it is having impact in our decision-making and how we do life. I'll tell y'all, guys, listen, uh, the, the Lord wants to do something in all of our lives. And, and I don't care where you've been, what you've done. God loves you and desires to use you. I don't care what people said about you. I don't care what people think about you. God wants to use you. Are y'all listening to me? So don't get so bent out of shape. Because somebody talked about you. You found out somebody. Talk. The truth of the matter is they were talking about you all along. You just not found out. So don't get all bent out of shape. Listen, if, if you're going to go with Jesus and let the word of God dwell in your heart, you can't get sidetracked by what people say. Let them, whatever they say, let it be because it's not, it's don't let them talk about you because you're doing something that's outside the will of God, but let it be because you're, you're willing to say, I don't care what life brings my way. I am not going to leave my God. I'm going to operate on his rule, and I'm going to let my life be a living example for others to see. Paul says, he told Timothy, I want you to take what you learned from me and put into the lives of other trustworthy people. Okay? So stop worrying about what people say about you. Just make sure that they're not, they're not talking about some sinful act that you've done and now they're talking about you. Let them talk about you because you'll stand for Christ. Let them talk about you because you are operating in the spirit of generosity. Let them talk about you because you are a giver. You are one who loves God. You are one who's dialed into the things of God and you're willing to submit your will to him. And when they talk about you for that reason, hey man, you, you're, you're in good company. You're right on there with Jesus. You're right on there with Paul. You're right on there with Moses, David, and others who live this life out. Believers who repeat the word of God. Look what Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. We want, we, we want to uh, produce believers who repeat the word of God. We should be talking about scripture in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, and to ourselves. 
Listen, O Israel. Israel is our example. They're foreshadowing of the church. Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Next verse. And you must what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all of your strength. Keep reading. Next verse says what? And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Stop. Wholeheartedly tells us how we should what? Commit. Now watch this. I need y'all to be honest with me. Are there times when you, like me, have not committed myself wholeheartedly? Will you be honest with me and, and shake your head and say, you know, Pastor, there are some times when I, I, I'll be honest with you. I've been, I, I've been kind of just coasting. Pastor, I'll be honest with you. You know, I, you asked us to get involved with one internal ministry, one external. I ain't thought about it since you said that. As a matter of fact, Pastor, you know what? I don't even like people. Well, let me tell you something. If you're going to run with God, you got to learn how to love people. Are y'all with me? See, accountability is something that, that, that all of us need in our life. And as your pastor, listen, I love you enough to speak truth in your life. And I, I, I want you to do this word. I, I know, listen, I know what it means to, to walk in concept with God's word. And I also know what it means to be walking outside the will of God. It's much more fun. It's much more enlightening. It's a greater life when you learn to walk inside God's word. Rather than being out there doing your own thing. However you want to do it. It's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't. Yeah. God can tell you who to sock it to. All right. God wants to use your life to be an example. So you can't. Listen. Listen. There are things that are happening in our lives. And some stuff is happening because we have walked outside the will of God. There's some stuff we're experiencing and we, we keep blaming people, but really it's our fault because we made that dumb decision. And how many of y'all got some dumb decision in your life? You can look back over and say, listen, that was dumb. I got some. All right. Listen to what he says here. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Next verse. It says what? Repeat them again and again to your children. Now, listen, parents, hear me carefully. You have a responsibility and the obligation to share gospel truth with your children. My question to you today is, how much time do you spend talking about the things of God to your children? Look, look at what it says. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're what? On the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. He's telling his children how to respond, and how to act in the land of promise. Next verse, let's read it. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as what? Reminders. Next verse, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. Sounds like to me God is telling his, his nation Israel that he, he wants his word in a prominent place and in a prominent position in their doings in life. He wants you to talk about it with his children. When you lie down, when you get up, write them on the doorpost of your house so that no one forgets what my will is for your life. It's talking about accountability. So believers who repeat the word of God, we should be talking about scripture in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, and to ourselves. The third thing, believers who reflect the image of Christ, the image of Christ. Go to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. We should be trying to reproduce believers who reflect the image of Christ. All right. Now we know that we all fall short from time to time, right? But that should not be our lifestyle. 
Y'all know what a lifestyle is? When you're known for something. You know what a lifestyle is? When that's, that's, how, that's, how, that's how people define you because you consistently do something. How many of y'all got uncles that drink all the time? They known for when holidays roll around, what are they going to do? How many of you are known for drinking? Listen, hear me carefully. God loves every last one of us in here. And he wants to use us. But we limit his ability to use us when we won't submit our will to his will. When we insist on doing life our way. Now again, if, if, if you don't take the time to learn what God's will is for your life, then you'll do life the way you've been accustomed to doing life or the way your family does life or the way your friend does life. One of the worst things in the world you could ever do is to do stuff because my friends do it or because my mama did it this way or my daddy did it this way. Be your own person who's walking under the authority of God's word and let God's word direct your path. Listen, look at 2 Corinthians the third chapter, verse number 18. Watch this record. It says, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Paul is talking to the church. And he's talking about the veil, the veil that they used to separate, but now it's torn in two because Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, when he died on Calvary, he gave us access to the, and rose again, he gave us access to the throne room of God. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him. Watch this. Makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his what? As we are changed into what? His glorious image. So in other words, the longer that we're saved, the more we should look like Jesus. Listen, guys, if you, if you can look at your life and say, you know what? I, I see no appreciable difference between how I do life now before I was saved and now I do, how I do life now, now that I've been saved 10 years. If, if you can't see any appreciable difference, not you because we always deceive ourselves, but if people who know us can't see any difference, then there's something wrong with our walk. People around you should be able to see the progress in your life. Right? All right. Now go to Romans the 8th chapter, verse number 29. Come on, come on, come on. Believers who reflect the image of Christ. We've been called upon to do that, guys. Believers who reflect the image of Christ. The goal of spiritual growth is to be like Christ. God says, I'm calling you to, 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 to show and express the glory that was in my son. And we have the capacity to reflect God's image here on earth. It says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become what? Look at what Paul is saying. He says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He chose them, those who, who belong to God, those who are part of the body, he chose them to become like his son. So, yes, you, all of us in here have been called upon to, to live like and to act like Christ. So when I look at my life, I got to ask myself the question, what part of my life is not lining up with Christ? And I won't know that, guys, until I 
start to study. I don't want to guess. I want to know. Okay. So we've been called to be like Christ. And lastly, we will call to replicate believers who, who, who replicate the process of Christ. We want to create we, we want to create people who take what they've learned and teach it to others who will teach it to others also. Imagine, listen to me carefully, and I may have shared this with you last week. Imagine if your doctor calls you in next week to go over some test results. Share this with you. He tells you that you have three years to live. If you knew that that time clock of your life expired three years from today, how would you live it? I asked you that two weeks ago. How would you live it? How would you live your life if you knew you only had three years? Or how would you live your life if you only knew you had, if you knew you had only three months? What would become important to you? Would going to the next party be the most important thing? Oh, I'm going to just blow it out, Pastor. I got three months. I'm going to just turn it up. <laughs> would you really do that? Knowing that you have three months to live. Guys, the reality is, and y'all hear me carefully, I'm believing God for three score, 10, three score years and 10 and 10 more. And I'm believing God for 80 plus years. But the reality is, is I may not make it to 80. The reality is I may not make it to next Sunday. Are y'all listening to me? The reality is that all of us have an appointed time. If the rapture tarries, to go through the doorway of death. The question is, what would you be known for? What would be your legacy when you leave this earth? How will you have pleased your Savior by living here on this earth? What can God count on you to do to advance his kingdom principles? What can God count on you to do to express the spirit of generosity by being a steward, a great steward of his gospel truth? Are you that person that God can count on to be a witness for him in these last and evil days that we're living in? Guys, if, in case you haven't been watching what's going on, the, 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 the enemy is coming after gospel truth. The enemy is trying to change truth. Uh, as I told you, he's trying to make the church say that sin is righteousness and righteousness is sin. My question to you is, are you willing to be a protector and a steward of God's truth? Are you willing to have people talk about you? Are you willing to have people walk away from you because you said, listen, for God I live, for God I die, I will refuse to live any other way than a way that pleases my God. See, if the spirit of generosity is going to flow in us, we have to be willing to hold ourselves accountable and to be held accountable by others, uh, allow our lives to be held accountable by others, and we have to put ourselves in a position where we are protectors of God's truth. He called all of us to be those protected, but we can't protect it if we don't know it. Are y'all with me today? The spirit of generosity exudes itself through stewardship and how we handle certain things. On next week, we're going to conclude this in talking about uh, the, the, the last thing we said, we should be stewards of our body. We're going to talk about our bodies, our, 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 what we do in this human flesh, what God says about our bodies. And how we are to give it to him and to be utilized by him. That's the last component we're going to talk about on spiritual generosity. How are you letting God use you, your flesh, your human existence, to show forth his glory? And we're going to talk about it. We're going to dig into it. We're going to talk about how we misuse God's body. 
We're going to talk about how we, we take this body to places that God says, I don't want you to go. We take these bodies and we connect them with people who God says, I never designed for you to connect yourself with that person. We put stuff in our bodies that cause our bodies to be broken down and not available to be utilized to advance kingdom principles. What are you doing? You're, we've been bought with the price. And we're going to talk about what we should do since we've been bought with the price. Jesus gave his life for you and I. He died a sacrificial death so that you and I could be ambassadors for Christ here on this side. God wants to use you. I don't care what anybody's told you. You are important to God. Look at me. You are important to God. God loves you. I don't care how bad you've fallen down. God says, I'm here to pick you up. And I want to use you to advance my kingdom agenda. Are you willing to submit? Every head bowed.